0: Hello and welcome to Being Boss, episode number 73. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Being boss in work and life is being in it. It's being who we are, doing the work, breaking some rules, and even though we each have to do it on our own, being boss is knowing we're in it together.
1: Pause for a moment and acknowledge that in today's episode, we're talking about a lot of stuff that us creatives can often get scared of, from legal stuff to accounting, which is why we love FreshBooks Cloud Accounting software. It's made specifically for small business owners and freelancers who want to spend less time dealing with the money side of their business, but still get paid like bosses by being able to easily invoice their clients and track their expenses and get everything organized in a way that makes them legit. You guys can try FreshBooks for free for 30 days by going to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, you guys, today we are talking to creative attorney Autumn Witt Boyd, and we are so excited to finally have a lawyer on the show. Autumn, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you guys. Let's launch off this episode by talking a little bit about your background. I want to hear how you decided to become an attorney and how you decided to work with creatives.
2: Yeah, so it was a bit of a winding road, but I'll keep it short. Um, I went to college thinking I was going to be an opera singer, and that that what? will come up. I know. Yeah. So this yes. will come. We will come back to that. Yeah ended up, I was not good enough, so, <laughs> which I found out very quickly. But um, switched to majoring in journalism and then figured out um, journalism was not really a career path that I was excited about, but I really liked writing and research and interviewing people and all of those kind of skills that I got through my journalism training. So law school then became kind of a logical next step. And so I went to law school. I went to Vanderbilt in Nashville. I'm from Tennessee, so. Um, ended up at Vanderbilt wanting to be an entertainment lawyer because I love music and I thought that would just be a really good fit. So I started down that path and when I found out what entertainment lawyers do, it seemed really boring, which is, um, they do a lot of contract review. They do a lot of negotiations. Um, it's a lot of, you know, looking at like a 50 page document full of long, boring words. So, um, I kind of switched paths a little bit then and became a litigator, so just a trial lawyer out of law school. I worked for a judge for two years here in Chattanooga. That's what brought me to Chattanooga. And um, then just went to work for a big firm in town, and I did all kinds of different trial work. Um, But I always was still interested because I think of my musical background and just being interested in the entertainment industry, I was always interested in copyright and trademark work. Um, But since Chattanooga is not exactly an entertainment hub, we did not have a lot of that work here. So I did a little bit at the firm that I worked for. And then I actually got hired away to work for a really small um, copyright boutique. So for about seven years, I telecommuted. So I worked from home for this firm that was based in Colorado. And I did just copyright litigation So I represented mostly photographers and small stock photography agencies. So they would sometimes specialize in like pictures of animals or um, scientific photos. So I did that for almost seven years and traveled all over the country. We litigated all over the country in federal court. And these were, you know, million dollar plus cases. So it was high stress. It was really fun in the beginning. And then I had two kids. I have twin boys who are four now. Um, And so the travel became less fun and the stress became less fun. So um, about a year and a half ago, I decided I wanted to make a change, but I had had the benefit of a super flexible arrangement with the telecommuting. So I just could not see, you know, putting a suit back on since I've been wearing yoga pants for seven years um and sitting behind a desk all day from, you know, eight to six. So I kind of looked around to try and see what else I could do and where my skill set might come in handy. And I decided to go out on my own and start a solo practice here in Chattanooga. We didn't want to move. My husband um has family nearby. We have I have family nearby and he has his own business as well. So um we have a really exciting startup scene here in Chattanooga and so that is what where I really thought that I would first start working in, and that was one of the things, like, I kind of started going to meetups and meeting people and figured out that was not as good a fit for my skill set and my background, and about that time, being boss came into my life, which I found through um, Meg Keen from A Practical Wedding. I think she gave you guys a shout-out in one of her newsletters, and so I started listening, and I really, I had no idea about this whole ecosystem of, like, the online entrepreneur creative entrepreneur, um, community, but through listening to you guys, and I don't even think we've talked about this. Um, but I really learned about that and I got involved in the Facebook group and my practice just kind of took off in that direction. I started meeting people and it turned out that I really liked working with a lot of them. It's a lot of young women. I love working with women entrepreneurs. And, um, so yeah, so in about the last year, I'd say my practice is 98% women clients, um, mostly in the online space, and since what I do is mostly copyright and trademark work, I can do it all across the country. So it doesn't really matter where people are located. Um, yeah, and it's just been it's been an incredible journey. It's been really fun. It has been way more fun. Than I expected when I first started. You guys are way more fun to work with than startup dudes. No offense <laughs> to
1: startup dudes. But... I love that so much. I had no idea that our tribe through being boss helped you find your clients. Yeah, That's like that warms our hearts. I hope That's so. Why we do what we do. <laughs> so also, I want to mention that we are one of your clients that you recently helped Emily and I with our operating agreement, which we did an entire episode on, um, and we just. Finalize that. I think this week, um, in which we had, we literally made you put in there like a "don't be an asshole" clause, and I think <laughs> there's, there's, the Opa, there's an Oprah clause too, right? <laughs> yes, there's an Oprah clause. Like, what happens if one of us gets invited on Oprah? So that's what I loved about working with you is that I was able to. I mean, I think that most people think I'm joking whenever I say stuff like that, but you—it's really it seriously, in there. <laughs> You put it in there and I really appreciated that. So thank you. You're
2: welcome. You guys are super fun to work with. You're definitely ideal clients.
1: Oh, I
0: like it when people say that.
1: All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about attorneys and creative entrepreneurs and why we need one. I have found I've always avoided lawyers and attorneys, um, I shared this story a long time ago on the podcast about one of my very first clients being a lawyer, and he picked apart my contract to the point where in our first meeting, I cried. And after that, I was like, I will never work for another lawyer again. And it was really hard to get to the point to want to hire someone. And I don't mean to. I mean, I think that lawyers and dentists and even police officers like are starting to get bad raps. But you've been such a delight to work with. And one of the things that I loved about working with you, Autumn, and I should just clarify here that like Autumn is not – like we pay Autumn. So <laughs> this is not like a plug for her because there is no trade or anything like that. Correct. But one of the things I loved about working with you is that I never felt afraid. Like at no point were you like you could get sued. You could lose the shirt off your back, which I feel like a lot of attorneys do. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... I think a lot of attorneys work from a place of fear because they see how badly things can go. And I certainly have that background as well, being a litigator. So, you know, I was involved in lawsuits where people did things, sometimes without even realizing they were doing doing something bad and, you know, being sued for big dollars. Um, So I think that just in the industry, that's become kind of standard, but I don't think it has to be. And it certainly is not how I like to work with clients. Um... And I've actually done a little bit of sales training and that's some advice that I had gotten that I really need to pound into people's heads all the bad things that could happen to make them, you know, sign up for more services. And that's just, I don't know. I don't like to operate from a place of fear. I really like collaboration and planning and strategy. And yeah, things do go wrong. And I work with people on that too. But um, that's certainly not how I want to approach everything from day one. So not all lawyers are bad.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's say you're a brand new creative entrepreneur and you're wanting to get things set up in a right way, like what is the first course of action legally that a creative can take to set them up, set themselves up to be protected and legit and on the up and up?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of things that people can do on their own. And so you don't need a lawyer for a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, The first thing I recommend is as you're choosing your business name is to run a trademark search and make sure nobody else is already using it. So even if their domain name is available, that doesn't necessarily mean that someone else doesn't already have a similar business with either a a name spelled slightly differently or, you know, they chose a different kind of domain, but their actual business name is what you want. Um, And so I just always run a Google search and then um, a search of the United States Patent and Trademark Office um, database, which is really, it's easier than it sounds, (laughs) um, You just go to USPTO.gov and then the database is called TESS. It's T-E-S-S. And it's free. It's totally free. Um, And that will at least let you know if you're at risk of somebody coming after you for having a similar name. Um, Because a lot of times people aren't ready to register a trademark in the beginning, which is fine, and I don't even think you should. But I hate to see clients who are four or five years into their business then have to do a name change because they find out at that point that somebody else was already using the name.
1: Do you guys remember the blog Young House Love? Yes. Emily, did you ever read that? No, I don't think so. Yeah, you did.
0: Oh, then yes.
1: (laughs) 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 Anyway, I think their names are John and Sherry, and they did like a house remodel blog. And whenever I started blogging, I was really into like all the house remodeling blogs. And – I remember they had to change their name a good maybe three years in, and they had established a really solid brand under the name, I want to say it was This Young House.
2: I think you're right. Yeah. And This Old House came after them, right?
1: Yeah. And they didn't explicitly say it was This Old House, but they were like, I bet you can guess (laughs) who came after us. Yeah. And it's something that we didn't do for being boss. We did not look into trademark and who else might have the name. Did we, Emily? I don't think we did. Um, I mean,
0: no, no more than like domain (laughs) searches.
1: (laughs) So we're really grateful. So we're going through the trademarking process now. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between trademarking and copywriting? Like what is the difference there?
2: Yeah. So a copyright is going to protect, um, think about content in your business. So like if you created. e-course or an ebook or a movie or a song a sculpture a painting things like that are um they're like creative works are what's protected by copyright and in the united states and i meant to say this in the beginning but disclaimer i'm not giving any legal advice <laughs> so i am uh i am a lawyer i'm not your lawyer to any listeners out there except i am emily and kathleen's lawyer um But anyway, under U.S. law, copyright protection is automatic. So the minute that you create something and you put it in some sort of format that you can access it again, so a computer file or you write it down or you make a sculpture or whatever, um, it's automatically protected. And if someone tries to copy it, you can go after them. Um, There are additional benefits if you register with the Copyright Office, um, and you have to do that before you sue someone. But um, a lot of people never register their copyrights and they never need to. Uh, trademarks are, think about things that identify a product or a business or a brand. So it will protect things like a logo or a business name or a catchphrase. Um, and then there's some weird things like it will protect product labels. If it's something that like identifies your product on a shelf, um, or certain colors, even like Tiffany blue, Tiffany and company, the jewelry company Mm -hmm. their blue is a trademark because it's so identified with their brand Um, and under trademark law in the u.s you also have what's called common law rights so just by using your business name or your logo with your brand you do get certain rights but they're not as good as if you register with the trademark office so they're the they're they kind of protect two different pieces of your business but there is some overlap so if you think about like mickey mouse is a creative character. He's part of a cartoon, um, so he's protected by copyright. But it also identifies the Disney brand, so he is also protected by trademark law. But most things fall pretty squarely into one or the other camp.
1: So, at what point do we get to put a little TM by our name? Like, is that cool? Is that <laughs> yes? <cool to> do? <laughs> so you
2: can put so for copyright, you can put the C in a circle um, immediately, just as soon as you create it. You don't have to register it. Anybody can use that. Um, And I recommend the C in the circle and then the year that it's published and your name. So if you're like on your website or if you have a painting on the back or whatever.
1: Okay. So quick kind of dumb question. Every year, should you update the copyright at the bottom of your website? Like if you have that in your footer, should you update it to the current year every year or should it be like 2008 to Yeah, I would do a span. Yeah, the
2: 2008 to 2016. Okay. Because you're going to have stuff that was first published, you know, a while ago.
1: Right. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah. Um, So for trademark, you can use the TM um, anytime. Anybody can use that as long as it's, you know, something that is identifying their brand or their business. Um, You can only use the R in a circle after you have gotten a registration from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office.
1: Oh, so the R circle is like the real legit. Yeah, that
2: means registered. Business, I will
1: sue you. Yes. All and right. all
2: of that is optional. You don't have to use any of those.
1: I want to get like a tiny little TM, like uh, uh, tattooed, right? Like <laughs> on oh, my tear duct, you know, like on the
0: edge. Like. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cute? <laughs> Why? Your yes, eye is it your would brand. Be adorable. This is my eye.
1: <laughs> Emily, do you have any questions?
0: I think I think one of the ones that I get attacked with the most often in terms of like getting businesses set up is really like the the legal difference between a sole proprietor and an LLC, and when it's time to go big dog with, like, an S-corp?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I need to know this right away. Right? Yeah, yeah. I get this question this a lot. This like, our, our method of getting free legal advice <laughs> is just having Adam on the show.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, this – and this question comes up in the Facebook group and the Slack group all the time, the, the Being Boss Clubhouse. Um, so the LLC is going to protect you – from someone suing you um, from taking your personal assets. So, like your house or your personal bank account or your car, anything that you have of value um, that is not necessarily related to your business. So, if you have a business that, um, let's take a skydiving business, for example, <laughs> where someone is likely to get hurt and might sue the business, if you are a sole proprietor, they can come after everything you have if they win in court. If you are an LLC, they can only come after things that the business owns. So like if the business owns a building or some property or the business bank accounts. Does that make sense?
1: Totally. Yeah. And
2: a corporation provides the same kind of liability protection. But most of the time when we're talking with creative entrepreneurs, they're looking at an LLC. Um, There can also be some tax benefits to being an LLC or a corporation, but that is going to be different in every state. So I always recommend that people... Yeah, let's talk
1: about that. Yeah. (laughs) I always recommend
2: that people... So I'm a lawyer, so I deal with the legal side. I don't deal with taxes.
1: Okay, so Um, I do have a question because um, our accountant... So Emily and I now also share an accountant and...
0: We're going to have a baby soon. (laughs)
1: well be married I was doing a podcast interview yesterday on someone else's podcast and she was asking me about partnerships and we've done an entire episode on partnerships where we talk a lot about our operating agreement that autumn you drafted up for us but um and the decisions that went into that but I was telling them I mean it's legit like getting married the contract (laughs) is tight um, okay, but we now share an accountant and she was telling us that we need to think about becoming an S corp versus an LLC and that it's time to kind of look at those things. So is so at some point do you think Autumn it would make sense for your lawyer and your attorney to be communicating with each other? The lawyer or and is the that accountant usually separate.
2: Yeah, no, I think as a business grows it makes a lot of sense because there are decisions that have kind of legal and tax Implications and um, and it doesn't have to be a long, expensive meeting, but yeah, just to touch base and make sure everybody's on the same page with what the goals are.
1: I okay, think it makes so a lot of sense. here's another question: If you're a brand new entrepreneur, or you know you're just starting to work for yourself, or you're a freelancer and you're setting up an LLC, what do you think is the first person you should hire between a lawyer or an accountant? Ah, uh, prob- probably
2: an accountant.
1: Honestly, I found that accountants can do a lot of the things yeah. that you would think a lawyer would do, like helping you set up your LLC. That's something that I wish I had done whenever I first started working for myself is have my accountant tell me what to do, like what they recommend based yeah. on how much income I would be making or how I want to be taxed. Um, because I did the LLC first thinking I needed that first to then get the bank account to then get the Which a- you don't
2: need it, right.
1: Not at all. You can kind of back your way into it. Okay, I have another question real quick. And a lot of
2: accountants will set up the LLC for you because in most states, it's a really simple process. There's a couple states where it's complicated, but most places it's really easy.
1: And that's something I want to point out is that I feel like a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs get really hung up on this LLC business (laughs) and opening a bank account, but it's not a big deal. It really, truly isn't.
0: That will be some of the easiest steps you can take. To actually starting and running a business, like just filling out that little LLC paper and mailing it in, is is really kind of easy. Yeah.
2: Well, and more more important than that, really, is and your accountant can help you with this is knowing like what city and county and state licenses you need and like all of that stuff, which I don't really deal with very often, but I think they deal with day in day out.
1: And even organizing the paperwork so that you're not getting like I'm yeah your bookkeeping. Penalty paperwork (laughs) letters from the state that are like you're about to be penalized, and it's not true. And I don't know why I get these letters, and it's all because I set it up wrong from (laughs) the beginning.
0: Oh, you need a David. (laughs) David.
1: We all need a David. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so I have another question too, because a lot of, um, well, I don't know if this is related or not, but a lot of creatives have multiple businesses and might have multiple LLCs. But there's also something called a DBA, which is doing business as. Yes. Can you help explain some of that? What is that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So um, I think a lot of people form multiple LLCs when they don't really need to, when one would probably do the trick. Um, So if you have a couple of different lines or shops or different services that you offer, you can have kind of a parent LLC that covers everything. And then you just file paperwork with the state with In Tennessee, I think it's like $20. It's very inexpensive. And you just kind of let the state know that you're also doing business under this other name. And that's all you have to do. And you're covered by the liability protection of the LLC for all of it. Now, the only reason you might want to form different LLCs is if you have like a really valuable asset that you want to put in one company. And if somebody sues one of your other companies, you don't want them to be able to get at it because that would just keep it separate. But for most creative entrepreneurs, that's, you know, you're not going to have a million dollar piece of equipment or some big asset that you need to protect.
0: Hey boss, does client no-shows have you down? I don't know about you, but it gripes my ass to have to deal with a client with poor calendar management skills, forgetting to schedule their meetings with me and then standing me up when it's time to meet up. No show equals no bueno. Take no shit with acuity scheduling. Once in my business, I had more no shows than I knew what to do with and was threatening to throw in the towel with client work. But then I got acuity scheduling and the ease of scheduling coupled with those autoresponders that go out as friendly reminders that they get to hear my sweet voice that day has my clients showing up like bosses. Acuity has helped me hold my clients accountable so that we both make our meetings and everyone goes home happy. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash being boss. Now, let's get back at it.
1: Perfect. Okay, I have a listener question. Okay. This is from Jillian in the Facebook group. Okay. Here is the question. I recently launched my company. It is starting as a website that will have a few for purchase downloads to start with, a ton of free content on a blog and social media, but eventually I want to sell physical products and have a storefront and change the world, of course, as most of us do. I bought the domain name for the company, but I have yet to do anything else and am completely clueless on the best path of action. Um, to make my company legit behind the scenes? How do I get started? Do I copyright or trademark the name? Do I develop an LLC? What do I need to do at this point? So kind of talking about all the things that we talked about using Jillian as a case study, what would you recommend from the beginning? Like what are the steps of action that she should take?
2: Yeah, so talking to an accountant about whether it makes sense, kind of what her revenues are gonna look like, whether it makes sense to file an LLC, um, At this point, she probably doesn't really need to talk to an attorney, but, and I always try and tell people to think about what could they get sued for. So in a business like this, she is not selling anything physical in the beginning, so she's not going to have like a product liability claim from somebody getting hurt from something she's selling. Um, It's pretty much downloads. So she's at pretty low risk of being sued. Um, The other thing that I would mention that we haven't touched on yet is website terms and conditions and privacy policies. And this is something that is actually really important in the be- from the very beginning. Hey, um, man. Web- yes. <laughs> uh, a privacy policy is required by law if you are taking people's personal information, which anybody who has an email opt-in on your website, you are taking people's personal information. So you need to have some sort of policy, and it doesn't even matter what it is. You can say, I'm going to sell your information to the guy down the street. You just have to tell people that's what you're going to do. Or you can say, you know, I'm going to protect it, and I'm not going to use it for ads. You know, whatever you decide to do is fine. But you have to give people some sort of notice that if they give you their personal information, this is what they can expect from you. Um, And if you're selling products, you're also taking credit card information, address, phone number probably, So um, the privacy policy is really key.
1: And I think for us, we started a privacy policy whenever we launched the Clubhouse because it is a forum and making sure that we're protected. So you helped us with that. And I think that as your business grows, your privacy policy will have to grow and evolve with you as well exactly yeah, Well,
0: like you can also for like the early ones like if you're just getting information for an email list like you can go really plain language and simple yes. with it but there are also like little privacy policy generators yes. online that you can do it can be I've a paragraph it does thing.
2: not have to be complicated
0: oh yeah definitely well and like these little like plug and play ones work really great too um yeah. but then whenever we did decide to do clubhouse and like really do something legit where we really wanted to be very specific about how it was we were protecting the privacy or not protecting (laughs) privacy. (laughs) We're protecting it. Don't worry. Um, of our clubhouse people, like at that point it's time to lawyer up and get, um, get a legit privacy policy. So privacy policy as a website person, super important. It doesn't have to be difficult, but absolutely get one. And then whenever you start getting legit with the kinds of ways you interact with your community online, get a legit one. (laughs)
1: Okay, so back to Jillian, though. So she's wanting to start this website. So She needs a privacy policy. And would you have recommended that she had trademarked, like Google no. trademark, before buying that oh, URL?
2: Yeah, I would recommend that she do a trademark search for sure before she buys the domain.
1: But she bought the domain, so maybe okay. now it's not too late to do the search. And if she needs to buy another domain, she can.
2: Yeah, before she invests a lot in the brand, I
1: definitely would. Okay, and then what? What's next And for then Jillian? what? So...
2: The second piece, the kind of flip side of the privacy policy is your website terms and conditions. And since she is selling, you know, she's got free content and then she's also doing some sort of downloads, the terms and conditions on your website will kind of tell people what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do with the content that's on your website. So her terms and conditions could say, you know, if you purchase a download, it's only for personal use. Or it could say if you see an image you like on my blog, you're welcome to repost it or put it on Instagram or whatever, but only if you give me credit or link back to my site. Um, And that's, it's optional, but it's nice, it's a nice way to tell people kind of, these are the rules of my playground. This website is my playground. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And that gives you some copyright and trademark protection as well.
1: Yeah, because I think we're talking a lot about how to, protect yourself from being sued but then it's also on the flip side thinking about if you needed to sue someone else right what would that look like what would you want to sue someone over or at least send them a, like a firmly worded letter
2: <laughs> yeah and people who have a ton of free content on their blogs I mean that's value that's valuable and you should protect it just because yeah, I mean, it's free
1: have websites that even aggregate and take your content and republish it on their sites and they're selling advertising, you know for content that you may not even be being compensated for they're being compensated for it so these are things to really truly think about yeah okay so i want to actually ask you about suing other people a lot of our bosses in the facebook group are get really concerned about copycats and i found this especially with makers on etsy um so i'm curious like what you think about that like what what should you do whenever someone's copycatting you
2: yeah Unfortunately, the way our legal system is set up, it's really, really expensive to sue someone. So for most listeners, it's it's not going to make sense. And they're probably suing someone who doesn't have the money to really make it worthwhile to sue them anyway. So I always say you kind of take a couple of steps before you escalate. So start by maybe just sending them a note and saying, hey, I saw that you did this. This is really similar to my work. I'm sure this was unintentional, but <laughs> I would appreciate it if you would, you know, either change it or take it down or whatever. Um, and sometimes it really is somebody who doesn't know that you can't just copy someone and that will take care of it. Um, if it doesn't, well, then let's
0: <laughs> let that be like a public service announcement to everyone <laughs> listening. Don't copy shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's bad news bear. Okay.
1: I have a question though. This is legit. So in the Facebook group, There are two artists in there, and both I really like and respect. And they both happen to have similar bodies of work at the same time that they were posting at the same time in the Facebook group. So artist A emails me and says, hey, did you see this? And artist B emails me and is like... This artist A is accusing me of copying her and I didn't. And then it's like hard to know who to believe. And I'm not a litigator. Right. I don't get like the Facebook group is free. I don't get paid enough to referee that. So like, I guess my question is, um, I kind of told them to work it out themselves. Like they're both adults. They need to figure it out. But like, what what about that in a situation where maybe you legitimately didn't copy someone, but right. you're being accused of it, or vice versa, you accuse someone of copying you, and maybe they really legit are not, that you guys came up with the same idea at the same time. What do you think about situations like that?
2: Yeah, it's tricky. So um, I'll tell you the legal answer, which is under our copyright law, as long as you create something independently of someone else, two people can create the exact same thing. And it is, they both would own it and they both have the rights to keep other people from using it. Now in the real (sighs) world, two people are very unlikely to create the exact same thing. So whether maybe they were inspired by the same thing, or maybe they, one saw the other's work and didn't even realize that they were, you know, locking it away in their brain. um, It's really tricky Unless you have incredibly excellent records of, like, the date that you started this painting and the date that you saw someone else's website, which who keeps those kind of records? It's crazy. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it really is, like you said, it's kind of just working it out. If you sue someone, it's going to be incredibly hard to win that lawsuit. Um, Unless it's a – honestly, a copyright lawsuit is really hard to win unless it's a verbatim copy. So just because two things kind of look alike – that's probably not going to be enough unless you can prove like they came to visit my gallery and then the next day I saw this thing on their website that was exactly the same.
0: Well and I I think this this is also where like our mine and Kathleen's don't be an asshole clause comes in (laughs) for the for the greater bit of humanity is like don't be an asshole and don't steal other people's things because you're not going to win no one's going to win and I think it's like I can think of multiple times when I don't know, like West Elm or something right. Would, like take a creatives idea and mass produce it. And like West Elm didn't benefit because everyone ripped them apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know, there are just multiple times when I can think of this thing these things happening where still be an asshole, and if you accidentally copy someone, just don't be an asshole.
2: Yeah, and if somebody comes after you and you did copy, like, take it down. Right,
0: don't I mean, be an the, asshole. I mean, these
2: these two artists, like, if their work is really that similar, one of them knows that they copied the other. I mean, let's be serious.
0: Or there's a third party out there if they both <laughs> copied. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, I think it's also, like, don't be an asshole whenever you're accusing someone else of copying. And yeah. And really having... Um, the best assumptions of that person in mind. Not to be Pollyanna-ish about it, but I think that that's going to serve you better. Okay, I have another question. Go for it. Because we get asked about this a lot, I'm curious about haters and taking legal action against haters who are talking shit on you online. So like, let's say, for example, you Google my name, And the first thing that comes up is a form of haters. Oh. Like, that could hurt your career. Or I've recently heard about haters going on and destroying people's book reviews on Amazon. Oh, my gosh. So, like, what is your legal – what are your legal opportunities there?
2: Yeah. So, if it's false, then you can theoretically sue them for libel or slander, you know, depending on the circumstances. Again, it's going to be expensive and difficult to win. So you're kind, you're a little bit limited unless they're copy, I'm trying to think of a different way to attack it. I mean, if they're copying your work and, um, you know, slamming you, like if somebody put up a hater website that looks like your work or that copies your work, um, then you might have more of a remedy there, but it's just. It's one of those things that I think ignoring is the best bet unless it really does start to damage your reputation and then it makes sense to spend. I mean, we're talking probably tens of thousands of dollars to sue someone for libel or slander. So it has to be a big impact to make it worth spending that kind of money.
1: And I suppose if it's anonymous, like you don't even know. Yeah. So
0: that's, basically, yeah. don't be an asshole. Like, <laughs> just
1: and ignore the haters. Can, can we
0: title this episode know, right? "The Don't Be an Asshole" clause? Like, I
1: like it. I, I can't do too. wait to see our social media images for this one. It's Just <laughs> don't be an asshole,
0: right? Because I mean th- that's it too. Like you know, we're all in this online space. Like I can. We're all in this online space, and we're all trying to, like, put out content and do our best. And as long as we are doing it from an authentic place, meaning it's yours, you're not copying it from anyone else's, then, you know, and, like, and being kind people, not being an asshole, then, like, there's room here for everyone. But it's when, like, it is when trolls just come in and sort of beat down the door or steal your ideas or your art or your words that I don't know they things just start going to shit um and again very Pollyanna-ish of me but can't we all just be friends
1: <laughs> okay I have some more like legal questions okay go for go it for well it.
2: do you want to go back and let me just say really quickly so if you send a nice email and they say I don't know what you're talking about I didn't copy you but it's really obvious that they did your next step is um, if it's a copyright, so if it's like an image or a blog post or something, you can file what's called a DMCA takedown notice. And that actually gets filed with their web host. And so you can actually force their domain to take down whatever it is that oh, is copied from oh. you. Yes.
1: I didn't know about that.
2: Yeah. And it's another thing. I mean, you can Google it. I could help you with it, but you can Google it. And there's lots of information online. Now, it has to be like a good faith. You have to really think that they are copying your stuff. You can't just do it to anybody. Um, And then if they respond, then you have to sue them. So a lot of people never respond and it just gets taken down and that's great. But if they respond, then you have to sue them and most people won't. So it is kind of a limited um, fix, but it is an option. and, And it's something you can do yourself. You don't have to have an
0: attorney.
1: Um, Emily, have you ever had to ask someone to take something down of yours?
0: Hmm, yes, actually. Yes, I have. Tell oh me about man, it. I forgot about that. Um, a couple of years ago, I had redesigned my website. I think it was right whenever I launched my web design services. And um I was looking at my Google Analytics and I had a referral site that I had never heard of before. I don't remember what it was. I have no idea. And so I went and checked out the website and they had stolen my website. (laughs) Like the whole thing? Yeah. They had copied and pasted all of my code and they'd they'd re-skinned it a little bit. So like it was a different color, but like even some of my content was still in it. And I wrote them an email and was like, guys, like, you stole this. My content's still here. It was mine first. Take it down. And I never heard from them. They took it down. That was the end of it.
1: So I recently had it happen that someone was, um, oh, what is that? Skillshare? Someone on a Skillshare oh yeah like they had taken some of my personal branding images and they were selling a course on personal branding which is my expertise my (laughs) life using your images using my images like literally I remember that even my face was in one of the photos (laughs) like there was no bones about it; (laughs) it was my image and so then I emailed the guy asking him to take it down and okay here's where it gets tricky is that the guy that I emailed, it was like his graphic designer that had put it together. So it was really the graphic designer ripping me off, not this guy. But And, and I think that's tricky too. Whenever you don't know that who you're hiring isn't ripping off someone else. I've also right. had it happen for a client where another industry or another creative entrepreneur basically ripped off her logo. And the woman who had the ripped off logo as part of her business had no idea that her graphic designer had basically ripped us off. So that's another thing is just kind of uh, be responsible.
0: Well, and I've also had scenarios like as a designer where I have clients request that I rip people off. (laughs) And so that's been – and like I have to be like, no, that's illegal. Like I'm (laughs) not doing that. That's happened a couple of times. Um, And then – well, and we've had someone rip off the Being Boss site before. And Mm -hmm. um, that was a fun little – we know about that just so you know. (laughs) Um, I signed I
1: opted into their newsletter right
0: we, we didn't send them anything <laughs> instead Kathleen very passive aggressively signed up for their newsletter mm-hmm. and it went away
1: <laughs> yeah um okay so what was I oh I wanted to ask a little bit about intellectual property versus copywriting so like let's say you come up with a method or a way of working is that Can that be protected through a copyright, which is free and simple and automatic? (laughs) Or is that something that you need to hire an IP lawyer for?
2: Yeah, that is usually going to fall under patent law, which is much more expensive and complicated, and I don't do it. You have to have a science background to do it. Um, So what copyright could protect is if you have a method, like let's say the braid method, Kathleen. Yeah,
1: Um, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you can...
2: (laughs) you can register the copyright for that method, but it's only going to protect like the exact way that you have written out the method. It's not going to keep somebody else from coming in and basically duplicating the method, but writing it differently. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to protect a process, then that is going to be a patent and that's big, big, big dollars.
1: All right. Y'all can have it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a million
2: dollar idea, it's probably, you know, it's worth protecting that way. But for most of what we're talking about, it is not.
1: Okay. One of my last questions is at what point, like at what point in your business growth, do you feel like it's really important to hire a lawyer? So for being boss, it just kind of felt intuitive. Like the place in which Emily and I were unwilling to go through the copywriting process or trademarking process ourselves, even if we could, um, like that's just not where we want to spend our time and we have enough money to hire you. But like, at what point do you think most creatives should hire a lawyer? Like what are some of the milestones that maybe they've hit in their business? That was what I was about
2: to say. There's a couple of milestones. So I think it's helpful as you're getting started, if you can afford it. Um, And a lot of attorneys will meet, like I'll do a one hour consult, which is not super expensive. And we'll talk about a lot of these big picture type things and some strategy and, um, just answering questions about getting set up and, you know, here's some things you might want to do this year or next year or five years down the road, just so you kind of have a roadmap for where you want to go. And then I think maybe year end of year one, sometime in year two, Depending on how your business is going, if you're growing really quickly and you're feeling like you're nervous about either being sued or that your contract isn't really protecting you, that's something we haven't talked about a lot. But I do a lot of client contracts, which I think is one of the most important protections you can put on your business. It's way more important than forming an LLC. Um, I think that can be a good time to make an investment in a custom contract that really covers the way you do business, the way you like to work with clients so that you've got a really strong, you know, cancellation policy and all the other, um, things that might not be in, you know, if you find a contract on the internet or you borrow one from a friend. Um, and then I think if you're collaborating like Kathleen and Emily on a new project, um, I think that's a good time to talk to a lawyer just to make sure everybody's on the same page and that um, you're really thinking about all the different ways things could either go right or go wrong and that everybody thinking is happy. About all the
1: different ways we could die and who the money goes to. I feel like that's exactly. what our entire operating <laughs> agreement was.
2: And what happens
0: when Oprah calls. Yes.
2: <laughs> the best case scenario and the worst case scenario.
0: <laughs> Basically.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think, you know, if you just – In your business, I think you'll kind of feel it like you guys have felt it, like you're at a a really, I deal mostly with growing companies. So if you're at this point where you feel like your business is exploding and you can't get your arms around it and you don't even know what to do, then consulting with a lawyer to make sure you're doing what you need to be doing can be really helpful.
1: Nice. Oh, I have one more question. Yeah. We were approached about more free legal advice. (laughs) No, but really, I think a lot of people right now are um, self publishing books. Yeah. And that's like a big thing that's happening right now. And I think that's a really good, important thing to have a lawyer. So, for example, Autumn, I'm about to forward you (laughs) an email from an agent. Yeah. That you can, you know, pay us to look at. But a book agent versus like self publishing and knowing how we're protected. And I know that a lot of self publishing processes have kind of the legal stuff built into that process. So you're kind of covered, but is there anything that we should know about, you know, hiring a lawyer whenever talking to a book agent or negotiating deals for example, or signing any contracts whenever you hire someone or, um, like that might be another good reason to have a lawyer is if you're hiring a contractor or an employee, just making sure that everything's covered there. But I also, I'm curious about the book thing too. Yeah,
2: I I would say hiring your first employee or your first independent contractor um, is another good milestone to kind of just touch base with a lawyer because there are a lot of employment laws that are very tricky and they're different in every state. And just to make sure, there can be huge fines if you do that the wrong way. So it can be, you know, it's one of those things where you can pay a little bit on the front end and save yourself a lot of money on the back end. Uh, But with the self-publishing, yeah, I think anytime you're negotiating a big agreement it can be well worth your money to talk to a lawyer because a lot of things are negotiable that you may not even know are negotiable or there may be terms in that 20 page contract even the self publishing ones that could be really harmful to you that maybe you could ask them to take out and they won't even care Um, you know there's just there's all these legal words that you probably that probably mean nothing to you but are really significant in the way that your relationship is going to work so, I definitely think um, the self publishing is a good time to talk to a lawyer
0: well, and i think I think any contract in general i'm thinking specifically we have someone in toolkits right now who I know is talking to you autumn because someone got in touch with her, I think to do some some courses for like another website, and Kathleen and I also have been um have been contacted to do something similar where you are being asked to, you know, give content to their brand and you know what that looks like. I know in the online world there's lots of trading of services and content and like having you come speak to my crowd or having you give your products to my, you know, list whatever that may be. And whenever there's a contract involved, get someone who knows what contracts are to read it through because it, like whenever I first read a recent contract, I thought, "Oh, this is fine." And then Kathleen right reasons, "This is fucked up." <laughs>
1: Yeah, like basically they were saying, we own your content. Like you are working Oh my hour. gosh. And I'm like, no, this is intellectual property without the million dollar patent. Right. Right. That so, I'm not selling to you.
0: Or giving to you basically. Right. Yeah, or like
2: f- affiliate agreements can be really tricky. Yes.
0: Yes affiliate agreements like contracted to give content or or like even like small client things or and I said a second ago whenever contracts contracts are involved but also when they're not involved like it's just as sketchy and just as necessary (laughs) to get a lawyer I think whenever you know people don't say let's get a contract just sort of having someone on call to say like hey I'm thinking about doing this thing with this person what do you think and a lawyer who knows what there's doing is going to know when to tell you you better get a contract and what it should say.
2: Yeah and the answer may be like you're fine and you don't need to do anything or the answer may be yeah we need to look at this. Right
1: like I was about to say I agree and I disagree because for example Emily you and I went into being boss with zero contracts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right well we knew each other too which was really helpful. All of our Um,
1: employees and contractors zero contracts (laughs) because it's kind of been umbrellaed under our contracts through indie yep. shopography and braid creative and like for example if we did a project with Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook like we haven't really talked about a contract but it's kind of a handshake agreement but I think because we trust those people yeah and that's the thing too is just kind of go with your gut I was about to say this might be awful advice like going with your gut but if your gut's telling you something is shady then yeah have someone look over it or run away <laughs> or, yeah or run away
0: Yeah, and we're not giving you legal advice either. (laughs) And Autumn, I'm curious with
1: you, do you ever use your gut in law? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I was just
2: to follow on what you were saying. You don't need a lawyer for every contract. I would be happy if you guys took a yellow pad with uh, and just made, you know, a really simple outline of what your terms are going to be for any future collaborations with somebody else and then everybody signs it. Um, It doesn't always have to be that complicated. But it is nice if something goes wrong later to have at least the yellow pad that everybody signed that you can look back at that has the basic terms. But, yeah, no, I use my gut all the time. And I um, – a lot of what we were talking about, like, going after people who are copying your content or, you know, that kind of stuff is often just a gut check. Like, does this look right? Does this smell right? Um, is how close is it? Do I think there's anything that we're going to actually be able to get out of it? Like, is this a a small mom and pop company that has no money and, you know, suing them is not going to accomplish anything. There's, there's a lot where it's a very gray area.
1: You know, one piece of advice, Autumn, that you gave us recently is we noticed someone using our hashtag on Instagram. Oh, right, right. Kind of for their own benefit. And they're people that we like, but we were like, what is the deal? And you were like, listen, What are they taking away from you by using this hashtag? And I think that's such an important question is what is someone else taking away from you? And I think it's a really important question to ask whenever you're feeling jealous or competitive or accusing someone of copying you or vice versa. What is being taken away? And Unless you can answer that question clearly, I think you just need to check yourself.
0: <laughs> Ooh, and that's and that's basically and that's what, what you Kathleen told us. Did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: like Autumn was <laughs> basically like, check yourself. <laughs> Because you're getting in a tizzy about nothing.
0: And also, just throwing out here, like, in terms of copywriting, you no one ever owns a hashtag. Like, poor Girl boss. <laughs> like, I feel, like, borderline really sad for her because she's potentially built this empire on something that she could never own. I know. Or maybe that was totally use, her intention. I even use Girl boss. Me too.
2: Oh, I do too. But, you know, she's registered the trademark for it, so she's got some protection.
0: <laughs> Has she? I didn't think you could do that.
2: Well it's not the hashtag, but the word girl boss.
0: Oh, gotcha. Like it. And we're in
2: this whole weird, crazy time with Instagram and Twitter and you know, people are borrowing stuff left and right and copyright and trademark laws trying to catch up. You know, they were these laws were written way before any of this was even imagined. So it's a brand it's a brand new world and there are lots and lots of gray areas.
1: Yeah, I think it's just again picking your battles and really choosing – you know, sometimes you're poisoning yourself more by getting upset (laughs) about these things than any justice being served.
2: None of us have unlimited resources. So, I mean, if you had a legal budget of a million dollars, like, could I go after all these people? Sure. But nobody has that budget. And so – even
0: (laughs) if you did. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think this, like, goes right back to that don't be an asshole clause where (laughs) – You know, have a good lawyer in your pocket because and and I think that's really important. Whenever. So funny. Whenever David and I moved to Chattanooga, I mean, we were in a point in our business where we knew we needed to get some some lawyer things going, like some new contracts. We tried out one person. It did not work out well. Whenever we were moving to Chattanooga. We said, we need to find a lawyer friend and a police officer friend. Like, just to sort of have these people in our... You know, just in case. You never really know. And then, no sooner than we move here, we get an email from Autumn. <laughs> no, you signed up for New Orleans. That's yeah, what it yeah, was. yeah, And I was like, lawyer, boss in Chattanooga. <laughs> like, you were sent to me by the baby angels. And I was really excited about it. Um, but I cannot recommend enough to creatives out there and entrepreneurs or online business owners or whatever you want to call yourself, whatever it is that you're doing, to have a lawyer just sort of In your inbox, like make a quick acquaintance, or in your
1: clubhouse, or in
0: your clubhouse with with a lawyer who gets what you do. And this is the same, like lawyers and accountants. That is so key. Someone that gets what you do. Someone that gets what you do is really important because there are millions of lawyers out there. Like you could have your pick, but it's pretty rare when you find one who get what we do. And that's that's one of the things that like made me the most happy about knowing you, Autumn. Is that not only are you the lawyer that I I was looking for and where I live but you also get what I do and that makes working with you so easy um so whatever it is that you're doing out there find a lawyer and an accountant who understand your business because you're wasting your money if they don't but
1: also don't be afraid of doing like kind of DIYing some of this stuff yourself because for it's sure. also not as intimidating as you think it might be so a little bit of both true that um, but Autumn, thank you so much for being such an active participant in our Facebook group and in our clubhouse, which you all can find at being slash clubhouse. Um, it is so helpful to us creatives that can't quite, or aren't quite ready to, um, hire a lawyer, but it's so helpful just to know that just to have, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving away your advice no. on our clubhouse <laughs> for, or Facebook for free, but you really are an, an awesome, Um, active participant. You're really generous with your knowledge. And thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the show today and for helping us with all of our work. Um, We just adore you. Thanks.
2: It's been super fun. And I love being in the clubhouse and in the Facebook group. It helps me know what issues are facing online entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs these days so I can, you know, figure out how to best help them.
1: Where can our listeners find more of you?
2: Yeah. So I'm on the internet. My website is awbfirm.com. And then I've also got a Facebook page that you can just search Autumn Whit Boyd. Um, And there's tons of free resources on my website. So if you are just getting started, that's a great place. Um, I've got some videos and some free articles and things
1: that will help you get started. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Please be sure to visit our website at beingboss.club where you can find show notes for this episode, listen to past episodes, and discover more of our content that will help you be boss in work and life. Did you like this episode? Please share it with a friend and show us some love by leaving a rating and review on
0: iTunes. And if you're looking for a community of bosses to help take your creative business to the next level, be sure to check out our exclusive community at beingboss.club clubhouse where you get access to our closed and very vibrant Slack group, monthly Q&A calls with Kathleen and myself, a book club, and more. Cultivate your tribe and find your wolf pack at beingboss.club clubhouse. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. Um, I have one tiny request, Autumn, and if you can take your microphone away from your mouth just a little oh, bit, now it's when too you get close. really excited and talk, you yes. breathe into it. I'm sorry, I think and the I'm like,
1: breathing is like the pregnancy. I was about of... to say I'm also pregnant yeah. and like out of
2: breath. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: i remember like i'm almost breathing for you because i remember that feeling of not being able to breathe
2: yeah and i'll try and not talk so long either that's it's easier oh, if no it's... <laughs> no
0: please talk as long as you need and breathe as needed we will uh, we can edit a lot of that okay, out but thank um, you god i know so you are gonna have a baby really soon
2: yeah i'm 38 weeks pregnant so it's kind of any day now although i'm hoping for one more week <laughs>
0: wait we have to go eat lunch first okay (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tomorrow
1: what will you do what will you do if it's four more weeks oh gosh
2: well my I talked to my doctor this week and he doesn't want me to go past 41 weeks so I have kind of a like end date hopefully you have a timeline (laughs) yes
0: good